You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Uh, The book of Jude will begin reading in verse number 20. The Bible says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Another save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever, Amen. Amen. And let's have a word of prayer and we'll get right into the message. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts in the uh, preaching time as we look at your word. We know that uh, your word has the answers to every problem we face, every difficulty, every uh, struggle. I pray that you would please give us what we need. Thank you for the time we've been together. Thank you for your people and their faithfulness to be in church week after week. May we never take for granted the privilege that we have to assemble and to worship and to come together uh, as a church body, as a church family. I pray that you give us a wonderful day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We have been in our series in the uh, Sunday mornings. We've been talking about our theme for the year where Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. We took quite a few Sunday mornings and we talked about the rock. Who is the rock? And We saw many Old Testament references, and we know that the rock is Jesus Christ. You get to the New Testament, and it's almost like uh, God wanted to be so crystal clear, and the verse says, this rock is Christ, and uh, uh, no other uh, foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the rock, and so we know the church is built upon Christ, but the second part of our theme, it says, upon this rock... Jesus says, I will build my church. Now, when we say that Jesus is building the church, we're not talking about the beams that you see uh, on the ceiling. We're not talking about the brick that you see outside. We're not talking about uh, the two by fours that go up. And we're not talking about the, the concrete that was poured for the foundation. When we're talking about Jesus building the church, we're talking about the people because the church is not the building, the church is the people. The word church in the New Testament is the word in Greek, ekklesia, which means a called out assembly of believers. So God forbid this would happen, but if there were ever a a fire and this building were damaged, or if there were ever a a hurricane and this building was destroyed, you say, oh no, we don't have a church. Oh yes, we do have a church. You know why? Because the church is not the building, the church is the people. If we met out on this parking lot, or if we met out on a field, or if we met uh, under a tent, or if we met uh, in uh, some some warehouse or whatever, that would still be the church because the church is the people. Now hang on. 
The verse says that Jesus will build his church. That means Jesus is building the people. I'm glad that Jesus is still in the building business. I'm glad he's still in the building process because I have not arrived. As a matter of fact, there's still a lot of work I need Jesus to do on my life. Can I get a, an amen? Can I get a witness? Is there anybody else that Jesus is still working on you? By the way, we better be glad he's still working on us. Hallelujah. Because there's still a work that needs to be done in our lives. And by the way, that will continue until we get to heaven. Until we receive that glorified body where we will be free from sin and where the song says this robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. God is still working on us. So we know that Jesus is building his church. Yes, there are people that are being saved and added to the church. But once you're saved and once you're a part of his church, once you're a part of that called out assembly, Jesus still is doing a work in you and in me and through us, and he is still at work. Work is not finished. Don't, don't ever feel like, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. I've been going to church a long time. No reason for me to go. Well, I got news for you. I've been going a long time too, but the more I go, the more I realize there's more work that needs to be done. And every day I want to grow and every day I want to be closer to Christ and every day I want to be a better Christian than I was the day before. So we know that Jesus is building his church, but I want you to notice verse 20 of the book of Jude. And by the way, did you find the book of Jude? It's a hard one to find. It's right before the book of Revelation, but it's only one chapter. So if you've got two pages stuck together, you're going to miss the whole book, okay? So it's right before the book of Revelation. And look at Jude in verse number 20. Jude writes and he says, but ye, and we'll look at the, the reason why he says, but ye, but ye, beloved, building up, what's the next word? Yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Here's what that says. Yes, Jesus is working on you and Jesus is working on me, but we're going to have to put forth some effort. <laughs> You're going to have to do something. I'm going to have to do something. We're going to have to get involved. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, we are laborers together with God. I'll give you this example. I am, and this is not news to anybody here, but I am not a builder. I don't, I don't know how to build things. Um, you know, maybe Legos or, you know, blocks or whatever, but I don't know how to build things. But I could have somebody, I could call somebody and say, I need a house built. And I could get somebody to build a house for me. Now, this is an illustration. We're not moving. We're not looking for another house. We love the house we're in, okay? So don't, don't start, oh, pastor's building a house. I'm not building a house. Matter of fact, I'm not building anything right now. Um, but I could get somebody to build a house. I could, I could contract that out. I could delegate that out. But if I said, I need somebody to build my home, or I need somebody to build my family, I can't get anybody to do that for me. That's on me. You see, you can't get anybody to be 
the husband that God wants you to be, you've got to be that husband. Amen. Ladies, you can't get somebody else to be that wife that you're supposed to be. That's on you. You can't get somebody else to say, I'm going to have them raise my children. I'm going to have this person. Oh, the church. I'll send my kids to church once a week, and then I don't have to worry about my kids. No, no, no. That's the responsibility of the parents. That's where we have to do it ourselves. And so I could get somebody to build a house, but I can't get somebody to build my home. I can't get somebody to build my Christian life. You can't read the Bible for me, and I can't read the Bible for you. You can pray for me, and you can pray to help me and encourage me, but that doesn't mean that I'm off the hook and I don't have to pray. I've got to pray. I've got to walk with God. I've got to grow. I've got to build up myself. But notice this. It doesn't say build up yourself so that people are impressed. It doesn't say build up yourself so that people applaud. It says build up yourself on your most holy faith. What's that? That's our faith in God. That's our faith in Jesus Christ. That's our faith in the work that was done on Calvary. That is our faith in the word of God. We are building our lives not for money, not for prestige, not for popularity. We're building our lives on the faith of God and the faith in his word. That's how we're supposed to be building. And the book of Jude reminds us that we are to build up ourselves. Turn with me, if you would, in the book of Jude. Look back at verse number three. Jude is writing, and he says in verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Most of the book of Jude is a warning against people who are apostates. An apostate is someone who has turned away from the faith. It is someone who used to believe the Bible, they used to love God, they used to serve God, but they've turned their back and they've gone a different way. By the way, you better watch out for people like that. You say, but ah, oh, they're my friends, they're my family. Good, you ought to love them, you ought to pray for them. But don't let people like that turn you away from God. How sad it would be, how tragic it would be for one family member to turn away, but how awful would it be to see an entire family or to see an entire group, or to see uh, an entire uh, um, uh, 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 a group of people that once lived for God and they turn aside because they get, a wrong, get around the wrong crowd. This book warns us about the apostates. It says we must earnestly contend for the faith. But notice verse 3, it says that Jude is writing unto us of the common salvation. Now, I've got to explain this here, and I think most of us probably understand this. But if something is common, sometimes we view common as it's not that important, right? Uh, yeah, I've got some, I got some stuff in my pocket. It's not that big of a deal, so I'll just set it on the shelf and, oh, well. I got, some, I got some spare change, and I'll just set it on the shelf, and if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. That's not what this word means. This word does not mean that salvation is not important. Salvation is vitally important. If you're here today or if you're watching online or you're listening on the radio and you've never been saved, you can't get to heaven without salvation. You can't have eternal life in heaven unless you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. But this word common salvation, this is so good because what it means is that it's available for everybody. 
I'm so glad that salvation is not just for people that have a certain IQ. Some of us would be in trouble right there, right? I'm glad that salvation is not just for people that have a certain amount of money in the bank. In the positive side, you know, not the negative side, but the positive side. Some of us would be in trouble. I'm glad you don't have to have a certain a family tree and you have to have certain people that, you know, your, your, your parents or your grandparents were such and such. I'm glad that salvation is common. It's a whosoever will. It's anybody that will call upon the Lord. They can be saved. It is valuable. It is precious. It is priceless, but it's available for anybody. It's common in that it's available to anyone who will call upon the Lord. Jude warns about the apostates. Then we get to verse number 16. And he says, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons and admiration because of advantage. Verse 17, but, Jude says, they may be doing that, but don't you do that. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. Now, friend, I got news for you. Jesus already told us there would be mockers. There would be people that would make fun of Christianity. There are people that they will mock you. They'll mock me. You're wasting a whole day going to church. Think about all the other stuff you could be doing. Man, that's crazy. Think about all the money you could be making if you would work on Sunday and all the overtime and think about all the stuff you could do and all, oh, and you, you believe the Bible? That's just a bunch of fairy tales. That's just a bunch of made up stuff. You don't believe those miracles, do you? You don't believe that, that there was actually somebody who was dead and he came back to life? You don't, you don't actually believe that, that there was a man that was swallowed by a whale and he survived and he lived to tell about it? Yeah, actually, I love what one, one commentator said. He said, I not only believe that the whale swallowed Jonah, he said, but if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe that too. You know why? Because God said it. And I want to tell you, there will be mockers. Don't be surprised. But that's why you got to get grounded. That's why you got to know what you believe. That's why you've got to earnestly contend for the faith. And you better build up yourself every day on your most holy faith. Verse number 19. These be they who separate themselves. They're sensual. They, they have not the spirit. Verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Number one. Let me give you a few thoughts quickly. If we're going to build up ourselves, number one, there must be a goal. The goal is to build our lives upon our faith, to build our lives upon the Word of God. You see, the Christian life is a life that requires action. Now, I've seen some crazy things in my life. I've never seen this. I've never gone by a job site and they got stacks of two by fours and stacks of plywood and, and stacks of shingles. And I've never seen a house build itself before. I've never seen boards just floating up in the air and they put themselves on and they hammer themselves. I've never seen that. I've never seen the, the roofs get, get done where the shingles are just flying up and they land perfectly and the nails just right in place and everything. I've never seen that. You know what I've seen? I've seen a lot of job sites where people are working. People are building and people are 
putting forth the effort. I want to say in the Christian life, it requires some action. The Christian life requires some building, and it's going to take some effort day after day after day, week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year after year, and it requires action. But building also requires a plan. We said you got to get a goal. Well, you got to work towards that goal, and then you've got to have a plan for action. Again, I'm not a builder, but if if I went to a job site and I saw a bunch of guys and they were all just doing crazy stuff, they were just, you know, I think we're going to build the roof. We don't have the foundation yet. I think we're just going to build the roof now. Or if somebody says, you know, um, we, we, we've got the foundation. We don't have the walls, but let's just build the roof and not worry about the walls. Well, well that would be crazy. We'd say, can somebody show me some blueprints, Right. Can somebody show me some drawings? Can somebody show me what is the plan for this building? I want to tell you, sometimes as Christians, we're doing a bunch of stuff, but we're not following the instructions. We're not following the plan. Sometimes we're just doing whatever we feel like. Sometimes we're doing whatever we want to do. I got news for you. Every day, you can't get up and just say, well, what am I going to do today? Every day, you got to get up and say, what does God want me to do today? What does God have for my life? What is God's will? What is God's plan for today? I think about our young people, our teenagers, and we've got some going off to college, some returning to college, and some going off to college for the first time. But can I tell you, you've got to follow God's plan. You can't just do whatever you want. You can't just do whatever feels good to you. You've got to follow the plan that God has for your life. So we know the plan the plan is right here in the Word of God. So my question for you is this. How much of it did you read this past week? How much of the Word of God did you study this past week? If I were to call, call out by sections and I'd say, all right, let's have this section. Tell me, uh, what Bible verses are you memorizing? What Bible verses are you co committing to your memory? I wonder if we could say, I'm working on this chapter and I'm working on this verse and I'm working on this. It's amazing the things we do have memorized. I know this is a long time ago, but they used to have these things that would come in the newspaper. They were called the TV Guide, you know? And I tell you what I would do. I'd memorize that. I wanted to know when the baseball game was coming on. And you know, I don't know if baseball's still like this, but when I was a boy, baseball games would come on like middle of the afternoon, or they'd come on all random times, or maybe a doubleheader. And I wanted to know when was baseball coming on, because I wanted to watch baseball. And I usually didn't watch the whole game, but I'd go out and play baseball, and I'd come back in and watch some more, you know? Uh, I used to be able to memorize when the baseball schedule was. In the late 80s, I could have told you every position, every player in every position on the Chicago Cubs. I memorized it. I'd memorized batting averages. I'd memorized the, uh, the, the stats, how many home runs they had. Uh, Cubs and the Yankees. My dad was a Yankees fan. And we, we, I could have told you all the players and all the roster. I could have told you all that. You know why? Because I, I spent time with it. It was important to me. But I wonder how much of the Bible do we know? Well, we know the television programs and we know the sports heroes and we know the movie stars and we know the stock market and we know the hobbies and we know all about this and that. I'm not against those things, but if those things take the place of the Bible, then we've got a problem. No wonder our lives are out of whack. There must be a goal. We must build and it requires action, it requires a plan. While you are trying to build and while God is helping you build your life, Satan's trying to destroy your life. So you better be in the building process. You better be at work building up yourself on your most holy faith. Number two, I see not only a goal, but number two, I see there must be a guide. The Bible says in verse 20 that we are to pray in the Holy Ghost 
The Holy Spirit is, of course, the Holy Spirit is God. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. One of the names of the Holy Spirit found in the New Testament is the name the Comforter. That name, the Comforter, it's the word paraclete. And a paraclete, that word literally means somebody who comes alongside. It's somebody who walks with you. It's somebody who helps you. It's somebody who guides you. Can I tell you, as you're building your life, you're not building alone. You've got the Holy Spirit of God that is building with you. Can I tell you, not only do you have the help of the Holy Spirit, but you've got the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Christian life, power comes from the Bible, power comes from prayer, and power comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And we must have a guide. We must have the Holy Spirit. And may we be praying in the Holy Ghost. Notice number three, not only a goal and a guide, but number three, I see in verse number 21, we must have a guard. The Bible says in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Mm. Now, I won't have you turn there for sake of time, but you got to write this reference down or remember it. Romans 8, the Bible says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And it gives a long list of possibilities. But at the end of that list, it says this, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And so when this says, keep yourselves in the love of God, this is not saying that anything is going to remove you from God's love. You can't escape God's love. There's nothing greater than God's love. Aren't you glad for that? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone. I'm glad there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. But this verse says you've got to keep yourself in the love of God. Now, it's interesting. The word keep, it means to guard. It means to protect. Uh, does anybody have, uh, anybody have any money on them? I'm looking for some cash. Anybody have some cash? Oh, whoa, I just need one, but Brother Nathan's got a whole wad. Now, Brother Nathan, is there a reason why you had three ones and a five, and I said, I just need one, and you only gave me a one? Let me have the five, brother. Thank you, brother. It's not that he doesn't trust me, but, you know. My, uh, my uncle, uh, I, used to, I worked with him when I was in junior high and high school. My uncle, Terry, um, we, we did fences, and he, he let me work with him. We had a good time. And he was one who always had a wad of cash. Now, I'm not saying anybody here does this, but do you know anybody like that? Anybody know somebody always has like a, a wad of cash? You know what I'm talking about? And his bills were not ones and fives, Brother Nathan. His bills were like 20s and 50s and 100s and all that. And I said, Uncle Terry, I said, why are you carrying around that wad of cash? And he, he'd always do this. He'd pat his pocket and he'd say, safest place I know. You know, that was his answer. Safest place I know right here. Um, but if I, if I were to get the, if I were to get the $5 from Nathan and, and Nathan, Brother Nathan asked me, he said, uh, Pastor, could you keep this for me? He's not telling me to keep it like it's, it's become mine, but he's asking me to keep it for him. He's asking me to guard it. He's asking me to protect it. He's asking me to hang on to it so it doesn't get lost. Now, this verse says, keep yourself in the love of Christ. Now, here's what that means. It means you're going to have to guard yourself 
Because although you cannot escape the love of God, you can forget about the love of God. And you can get distracted. And Satan loves to come and tap on your shoulder. And he loves to tell you, hey, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let this happen in your life. And if God really loved you, you wouldn't have this problem at work. And if God really loved you, he would not have allowed this person to say this about you. And the devil will give you a list a mile long of all the reasons why God doesn't love you. And I got news for you. The devil is a liar. That's all he knows how to do. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And if you listen, you will remove yourself from the love of God. Oh, no, God still loves you, but you'll forget about it. You'll be distracted from it. You can't lose your salvation. You can't change the fact that God loves you. He loves you no matter what. But sometimes we become distracted. And so what Jude is saying is he says, you've got to guard it. I'm going to give his back right now just so I don't become a thief. But he's saying you've got to guard it. You've got to protect it. You've got to keep yourself in the love of God. And then notice this, not only a guard, but number four, we see a glimpse. Verse 21, it says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Looking for. Now, I'm thankful that you don't have to look far to see the mercy of God. You know how far you have to look? Just look in the mirror. Just look beside you. Just look around, and everywhere you look, you will see the mercy of God. Friend, don't ever lose sight of God's mercy, the fact that God saved you from hell. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that God saved you and God saved me from where we were and what we could have been and where we should have been and God's mercy saved us and reached down. Get a glimpse this morning of God's mercy. Get a glimpse of Jesus. Get a glimpse of heaven. Get your eyes on things that are eternal. Get a glimpse of the second coming, the fact that Jesus is coming again. The songwriter said, one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next, number five, we see go. If we're going to build up ourselves, we're going to have to go and tell others the gospel that someone shared with us. It says in verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. As we are building up ourselves on our faith, we're going to see that there are others that don't even know Jesus. We're going to be moved with compassion when we see what God has done and God's mercy in our lives, and we're going to say, hey, I'm burdened for my neighbor." I'm burdened for my coworker. I'm burdened for my family member. Somebody's got to tell them that they can know Jesus. They can experience the mercy of God, just like someone shared with me. The Bible says about compassion that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes. You know why some of us don't have compassion? It's because we never open our eyes and see needs of people all around us. I don't know if they still have these commercials, but I know when I was a boy, they would show commercials and they would show children that were starving in, in Africa or in a third world country. And they'd say, if you'll give $5 a month, you could feed this child or whatever. And I'm not against those things. If, if that's where the money's actually going, wonderful, that's great. But I'll say this, 
Just look around in Roanoke Rapids. Just look around in Halifax County. Just look around. You say, oh, well, I live in a nice neighborhood where everybody's got money. You think money brings happiness? No way. You know what? We find that people are still miserable. No matter what their, no matter what their economic status is, people are still in need of Jesus and people are hurting and people are longing, and people are trying drugs, and people are trying alcohol, and people are trying immorality, and people are trying all kinds of sin. They're trying to satisfy, but the only thing that's ever going to satisfy is Jesus Christ, and somebody's got to go, and somebody's got to share the gospel. Number six, we see if we're going to build up ourselves. Number six, don't ever forget who it is that's going to help you, and who it is that's going to help me. Verse 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, verse 25, to the only wise God, our Savior. Number six, the word is God. You're not going to build without God. I'm not going to build without God. We need God's help. Psalm 127, verse number one, the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know what that means? Unless God's in on the equation, unless God's helping out in the, in the project, you are wasting your time. I'm wasting my time. We need God's help. Don't ever forget, it's not you and it's not me, but it is God that's going to help us to build ourselves on our faith. And lastly, number seven, the word is glory. As we're building up ourselves, all the glory goes to God. The glory doesn't go to us. I don't build up my Christian life and I don't uh, 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 build up something uh, uh, that is spiritual and something that is holy and something that is pure and then try to take the glory. That's called pride. That's called wicked. That's called foolish because anything good in my life is not because of me. It's all because of him. And to God be the glory, great things he hath done says to the only wise God, oh, we need God's wisdom. He is not only our God, but notice this, He is our Savior. And today, God is your Creator, but He wants to be your Savior. And if you've never trusted Him before, you can trust Him today, and He will save you from your sins, and He will save you from hell, and He will save you and give you a home in heaven if you'll put your faith and trust in Him. And to Him be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.